Hey everyone, I'm Joe. And I'm Jamil. And we're Brothers Who Teach. Welcome to episode 21 of Brothers Who Teach. Jamil, we're, we're back. We are back. It's crazy. It's been close to a year since our first episode. Um, we finished up in the uh, late spring, early summer, and I think it's fitting that we get season two going now. Yeah. Uh, how, how has your year been going? It's been pretty good, as we'll talk about in this episode. Uh, there's been quite a few new things going on, but I'm enjoying it a lot, actually. And how about you? Yeah, to say uh, this has been a different year than years past would be an understatement for me for <laughs> multiple reasons, which we will get to in uh, in this episode. Yeah, yeah I, kn- I know you like uh, keeping the word unique uh, without any qualifiers, like not saying more unique, but maybe with different we can, because I think my year has been somewhat different. Your year has been very different. Correct. And Correct. Well, we'll do a, a couple of housekeeping things first. This is kind of like our getting back into the swing of things episode. Um, we'll have more specific topics in the future, but for now, we just want to catch up you all on what has been happening to me, to Joseph, to the podcast um, in our interim period. So one thing that's happened is this was part of the season one, actually, but just a heads up is once the school year got done, Joseph and I went to Texas and did a barbecue tour and we wrote about it mostly but our our final episode we actually did as a kind of a crossover of the barbecue tour with brothers who teach and so if you're interested in that that's our last episode before this one um on the barbecue tour joe any quick thoughts on how that tour went i know i know nostalgia probably comes to mind here what would you like to say about it quickly oh my goodness i mean we so we had done barbecue trips the last couple of summers going to different regions. And uh, beforehand, I always, th- I thought that like the Carolinas and Kansas city and Texas, they were, they were all going to be kind of level playing field. And then we get to Austin and Dallas. And I mean, it, it was just a whole nother level that, that this summer was. And um, like we talked about it in the podcast and the awards, but we also, like we said, we always, we also blogged about it and we'll, uh, we'll put the link to the blog in um in the in the description as well so if you want to read about it more feel free but yeah um and i did have a good time recording the podcast for for our awards night i I felt like that was appropriate for us this year but yeah it was it was an amazing trip amazing barbecue uh we found ways to work it off when we weren't (laughs) uh when we weren't eating but yeah it was a great week that we were we were down there yeah i mean our goal with the barbecue tour is to kind of survey the barbecue across the country so people always ask well where are you going to go next and i think it's a little hard for us to think past texas it's like oh well why don't we just go back there again because we think we've hit the pinnacle but we'll talk about it and see if we we have ideas for next year or whenever we do the barbecue tour again so that was that was one thing that happened this summer another thing um kind of a a shameless plug, but a little marketing for us is Christ School, where I teach, puts out a magazine um, every quarter, I think, um, related to like alumni stuff, uh, what alumni have been up to or what faculty have been up to. And they actually asked me to write an article about this podcast. And so 
dedicated listeners will probably know most of the information in that uh, article. But if you just want to see us uh, describe in a different platform, it's called the the Galax is the name of the magazine. And I'll put a link to that article in the notes as well. The last. Yeah, and it, oh, go well, ahead, yeah. And, and, and you, you, I mean, you talk about like what inspired us to want to do this podcast, kind of the origin stories of it and just how things right. kind of came to be. So a little background look into, into how things came to be. Yeah, that's true. And then the last kind of new thing for us is uh, just what we're going to be looking at this season. Um, we'll still have some episodes where we just talk shop, so to speak, and we talk about our process or we talk to other teachers about education related things. But the real hope for us this season is to focus on jobs outside of the teaching field but how education or how training for those jobs relates to teaching in school or educating someone and seeing where the overlaps are or where the changes are. So we're really hoping to talk to a lot of people who work outside the education field specifically um, and just learn about how they learn to do their job or how they teach people to do their job. So if that applies to you, if you're not a teacher and you'd love to talk about your process, about how you were trained or how you trained others, um, whether it went well or whether it like you had a really rough experience learning how to do what you do, like we would love to hear all of that. I always think back to when we do like a career week back at back at the at the old school that I was at, and and I'd ask students like, what are what do you want to be when you're when you're older and it, it seemed like it would only be like four or five options. It'd be like an mm. engineer, doctor, um, veterinarian, or like teacher. And I think that that was, you know, like a lot of the careers that those are like the only careers that people know about. So, I, uh, yeah. so maybe with, with this podcast, we can give people an idea of like, oh, how, how do you become a barber? How do you become a, uh, you know, an, an analyst? How, how do you become at all different sorts of, of career paths that people can go down that they don't think about at a younger age. And maybe we can shed some light on that. Yeah. Well said, maybe we should, maybe that should be the theme of, uh, uh, of this season of career day or something like that. I don't know. We should tie that in. Uh, maybe when we have those guest speakers, we'll say it's like a, a career day episode or something. Um, anyway, let's get to the, theme of this episode, which is just the changes we've gone through from last year to this year. And like I said, my changes are not as significant as Joseph's. So I'll begin and then we'll get to the big stuff with Joe uh, when it's his turn. So I'm just going to give you my three biggest changes from last year to this year. Um, some professional, some personal. Um, I'll start with the professional ones. Number one is this year I'm teaching all Arabic classes. So in the past, I taught uh, two levels of Arabic, Arabic one and Arabic two. And then I would teach English for eighth graders. And I usually had two sections of that. So I had three preps, um, but Arabic one and two, I've taught for four years and English eight, I, I had taught for three years. So it was three preps, but it was three preps I was pretty familiar with. And so I was in a pretty comfortable spot there. This year, I now teach Arabic 1, Arabic 2, Arabic 3, and Arabic 4. And it's been, you know, it's been different. And 
English is out the window. So in one sense, I'm only in one department. So there's more focus there, but in another sense, it's four preps now instead of three and two of them are totally new to me. So there's been um, challenges as well as some benefits from this change. Does it kind of feel like you're a first year teacher again with having those two new preps? It does. The, well, it doesn't uh, class management wise. And some of the students I know pretty well already, so I'd feel comfortable with them. But as far as, yeah, teaching the material, there are days where, as we've talked about in this podcast before, oh, like I'm done early or, oh, this didn't go exactly how I, how I was thinking it would, or shoot, I need to fill up the time more, um, you know, coming up with projects, making sure my curriculum is, is challenging enough and then not too challenging, depending on the level, depending on the student, that's all felt very new. And, and has it been a bit uh, like bittersweet that you don't get to spend as much time with like the English teachers or you get, you don't get to teach that content as much as, is, is that, do you miss that aspect? I, I miss it maybe a little bit, but I am really excited that I get to, to teach Arabic at all these levels. It's a challenge to me. Um, it actually keeps me sharper in Arabic because especially at like Arabic three and four, uh, I can converse with the students at a more like fluent rate. Um, so that's something I hadn't really been able to do the past couple of years. So I'm glad to have that opportunity. I do miss the, the English teachers that it was a really good group to work with. But I've got a good group in the uh, world languages department as well. So I still see them around. And I think overall, it's, it's a change uh, for the better. It's kind of what I've always wanted to do once I started teaching a little bit of Arabic is, oh, it would be cool if I was just like fully focused on teaching Arabic the whole as, as like my whole um, job. So so I do like that. All right. My second biggest change um, is just before the start of the school year, the department chair for world languages took a different job. And since I was one of the more veteran teachers in the, the world languages department, I was asked to take over as the department chair. Uh, needless to say, this was a surprise. And I don't know that I felt really prepared for it, except in the sense of like, I know the school well, I know how to kind of quote unquote onboard new teachers and, and get them used to the ropes. So I, I accepted uh, that responsibility. And so that was another thing put on my plate is to be the department chair uh, for the world languages teachers. Um, and so that added, you know, a little more busyness, but also it put me in a position where I got one step closer to like the, the administrative world, not too close. Uh, I still like I think having a little bit of distance from that, but it got me closer. So that's, that's a line that you're still not ready to cross. You want to stay on, on this side of the, of the classroom and still be in there. Well, for sure. And I talked to my uh, English department chair who now is like the Dean of academics when she was making her transition. And I think the way she put it was something about like, I I'm way closer to seeing how the sausage is made now. And I think, you know, implying like there's a lot of not horrible, but just like not neat aspects where it's like in a classroom, you, you know, you know everything. It's not always pretty, but you have more control, you know, you know how your students are going to behave, that kind of thing. There's there's other factors that go into being in administration and those kind of things, those kind of decisions 
I'm, I'm okay. Not, not having too many of those. Um, I, so I go to meetings now with other department chairs and I kind of get things sent down to me from, from the Dean and kind of a heads up of like, make sure all your teachers are doing this, this, and this it's not overly bearing, but it's just trying to keep everything streamlined. Um, and so I kind of get, get those instructions. And then I meet with my department, um, close to once a month just to make sure, you know, we're, we're on the same page on, on different topics. I, I really enjoy, you know, getting their feedback on how they approach their language, whether it's Spanish or Mandarin, um, just to see if there's things that they're doing that I could be doing differently. Um, I visited all the teachers' classes and, and observed them there. So, so just ob observing others has been helpful for me. And I, I'm in, I'm convicted to do that more as a department chair. So that's something I keep in mind. The last thing with department chair is at the end of the semester and at the end of the halfway through the semester, every teacher has to write comments about every student. And the department chairs get to uh, proofread and check over all of the other comments from the people in their department. So there's just a lot of additional reading and checking grammar and making sure uh, you're using the right student's name, especially if you're like copying and pasting comments. So those are the other uh, additional duties that come with that. I'm, I'm on the other end of that. So I, I can uh, pick your brain on from, uh, from the department chair things like what what drives you up the wall and what things should i avoid to make your your job easier we could talk about that off uh off camera or <laughs> yeah get, i'll uh, i'll say i mean there's there's not too much i think honestly you know i i this maybe could be a, a topic for a different podcast just from like how does administration approach education but i think so much of this is just like check the boxes like make sure your teachers are actually taking grades for students, you know, that they're recording grades so that students can see their progress. And it's not, it's, it's in some ways a quantity thing and not a quality thing. Like it's less about making sure your teachers are fantastic and um, that they, you know, every student's enjoying their experience. I mean, that's what you hope. And I think like you have to trust your teachers to be able to pull that off. That's not your responsibility as a, as a department chair to, to pull that off. I think that would be asking too much, but it's more like, is every teacher doing the minimum as far as like what we expect, what, what students can expect from their teachers, you know, feedback, getting grades done on time, recording the grades properly, you know, maybe having department specific policies as far as late work or um, makeup quiz makeups, that kind of thing. So just hoping everyone is streamlined in that way. And then you allow for individualism as far as teaching methods and stuff like that. And uh, is, is most of the administration at your school, did they have experience in the classroom before they took on their administrative roles? Yes, I think almost all of them. And okay. especially this year, like having a dean as uh, like the, our former English department chair and former English teacher as the, as the Dean, like we feel really good about that one. Cause it's an internal hire. And so she knows the school really well, but also right. she was a really good teacher. And so she advocates for teachers. She's not, um, she's not going to come at it from the other angle, which, which can be tough. 
Yeah, and probably a good thing about that is that you're not going to be given tasks that are like impossible. That yes, like impossible expectations that somebody who hasn't been in the classroom has no idea if that is even possible or not. But they just say get it done. Right. But they've lived that experience. They know what is and is not possible. That's right. Uh, There's a, what the expectations are. Yeah, there's a built-in empathy there that makes it really helpful. Yeah. So, so last new thing for me, and this is the personal one, is I bought a I bought a house with my wife. Um, so we we uh, it wasn't actually very far away from where we were living, so that made it easy. We had a lot of friends uh, from church help us move, which was very kind of them. So the move all went very well. Um, moved in and stuff, um, but just you know, being a homeowner, there's there's more things to, to be mindful of. Um, if anything goes wrong, it's, it's on you now. There's no landlord to help you out. Um, but it's also been cool, like to make, you know, to make it our own space and to, you know, do what we want with it. For example, we, we just built a, a porch and added on to our, to our house. And so we've, we've created some more space there. Plus I've always liked, um, front porches. And so it's cool to be able to have that now and kind of be able to kind of customize this, this, place where we're living to, to be exactly how we want it to be. So you're a rocking chair, iced tea, sit in front of your front porch, do a crossword puzzle, read a book type if, of person. If I don't have, if there's not a moment this summer where I'm leaning in a rocking chair, drinking iced tea on my porch, I, I will have failed in my life goals. <laughs> mm. um, the other cool thing with this, and then we'll turn it over to Joe is, the neighborhood I'm in actually eventually like hits or abuts the forest where Christ school also, uh, or it's the Christ school forest. And so I found a couple of people, um, that I, I contacted and they allowed me to go through their yards. And so now I can walk to the woods to Christ school and they're then all the way to school. It's about like a mile and a half, um, two miles. And so it's also a way to get exercise. So I think in the summer or in the spring, when it warms up, especially when we have dress down days, I might try to actually walk to school. Um, and I've already run there a couple of times. Yeah. Being able to, uh, to not have to get in the car every single day has to be very, very nice. And I'm, I'm actually living a situation similar to that, which, which I can, I can get. (laughs) Yeah, let's go. So let's talk about your big changes, Joe. Yeah, so I'm going to start with a personal thing, and then the second one is personal and work-related, and then the last one is work-related. So, yeah. yes, this uh, this summer, my wife and I made the big move from little from little town in Indiana to Boston, Massachusetts. Boston. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been quite the experience for for the first month or so that we were living here we actually weren't able to get into the place that we're uh living more permanently so yeah we were living pretty close to downtown um uh, we were about like a five minute walk away from the td garden where the celtics and bruins play so we we took advantage of being in that area by checking out the different food scenes and walking around little italy and all that and we actually went to a concert as well that we could just walk to which yeah, I, f- I felt like I had to take advantage of it some sort in some sort of way. Um, but it was also strange to see like how different Boston is because it's so college driven. Okay. From the summer to once when students started coming in in the fall, where 
it, it almost felt like a almost like a, like a ghost town for a little bit in the summer but now wow. that uh you know there are dozens of universities in the area that right the city really comes to life once when the students come back um do you miss that that being downtown or was it kind of like just enjoy this moment because it's obviously like it's downtown Boston. So it's not like the somewhere you're going to be able to live permanently and you knew you were going to be moving away anyway. Yeah, we, we knew that it was a temporary deal. Um, so so, yeah, it was just kind of a enjoy the moment. And then now, now the place that we're living at now is it's pretty uh, it actually feels like a small town. Okay. where we're at it's kind of more in the suburbs and i'm able to walk to a lot of different places um kate takes the commuter rail into work and that's about a five minute walk to the train for her so it's it's a pretty ideal setup that we have right now yeah yeah tell us more where where, where is this what are you doing what is she doing <clears throat> so yeah um i we are now living in a house that is about 200 yards away from the school that I'm working at. <laughs> and the reason that it's so close is the school I'm at is actually a day school. But right. the, the, the dean of admissions has always had a, a goal of hers, a dream of hers to house international students in a boarding house type situation where a teacher is the house parent. Yeah. And Kate and I are the guinea pigs of that, <laughs> where we are living in a house with five international students that go to Boston Trinity Academy, the school that I'm teaching at. And we're living life together. Yeah. So your first time, we'll get to the being a private school, but your first time in a dorm house parent situation. Correct. Correct. And um, I, I'm figuring things out day by day. The school is figuring things out day by day. And, and the kids are figuring things out day by day because this is this is a new experience for for all of us. Right. Usually, you know, when you come into a new job or something, someone's done it before or the school has, you know, has already been able to set a policy and stuff. But yeah, this is like you all are being pioneers in this. So I'm sure there's a lot of bumps in the road as well as like, you know, figuring things out of what's working, what's not working, what do you need to change for next year, that kind of thing. So it is, yeah, that's, that's a unique experience all the way around. Everything from, from meals to, to study hours to um, like what are activities that we can do over the weekend? These are all things that need to be like hashed out and figured out before, uh, before the, those days comes or, the, or those events come. But I, I feel like the first couple of weeks were a little bit tough, but I, I think that we're starting to get into a groove. Uh, I think that the expectations are being more, are being more known mm -hmm. and, and the students are, are starting to get into a groove and, and it's starting to be starting to be more fun. We, we found things to do with the kids outside of school and, and it is starting to, starting to be a good time starting to pay its dividends yeah that's great i mean you like i said it's a unique situation i don't know of schools that have gone from day to boarding i don't know what that looks like but i think it's interesting 
in some ways it's good and bad that you're doing it with just like five kids in one house because it's good because it's manageable in theory, right? It's just five kids. But in, in another way, it's harder because it's so small, you're not going to be able to dedicate the resources you want to, to do all the logistics you just talked about. For example, at my school, we have, you know, 200 kids boarding almost. And we have a dedicated person whose job, his entire job is just, what are we doing this weekend? How are we, you know, coordinating the buses? Who's taking the kids to this place? Who's taking them there? Um, handling all the activity stuff. And he actually got an assistant this year. So like, I, I'm sure be, uh, Boston Trinity does not have one person to do all that. It's kind of, you do a little bit what you can, Joe, and then your other house parents who come in and they're on duty sometimes they do a little bit, but there's, you don't have that dedicated person yet, which again, adds to just all the kind of like feeling things out this year and figuring out how to manage all that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, fortunately the, the kids are pretty independent and they have like friends or relatives in the area. So a lot of the time, like they don't need something for us to give them to do over the weekend. They're just like, I'm going, I'm taking the train. Yeah. I'm going to go see my relatives and I'll be there for the weekend and mm -hmm. they just sign out and, and that's fine. Um, but there are some times where, yeah, it would be nice to, to take them all out and, and have something to do. Um, and sometimes I'll just be like, Hey, let's, let's all go putt putt. And then yeah. we'll all, we'll, we'll uh, find a local place and, and play some putt putt and that's a good yeah. time like this this uh last weekend um we kind of went into kind of a more tourist area but like did some christmas shopping and we we allowed them to all pick out an ornament we bought okay, a tree nice. and decorated the tree and, and it was good to give them like a like a christmas experience sure and uh we had them doing a secret santa okay and uh some some kids have did have done a better job of keeping their secret than others. <laughs> <laughs> we uh we have a seventh grader who I think uh and five maybe on five different occasions has disclosed who his person is <laughs> and then quickly put his hand to his mouth. Oh no. Yeah. Um so yeah, it, I don't think he has a I don't think he has a career in the CIA. <laughs> yeah. Well he he didn't directly go up to the person and just ask them what they want, did he? I think you might have actually. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are you gonna do? Well, uh, it's his first time. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, even even uh food wise, I, I didn't mention that before. Like you have to you and someone else kind of helps prepare the food. Like you don't have a I mean you have a cafeteria during the day, but you don't have a cafeteria to do dinners at night. Whereas like a fully boarding school, quote unquote, like they've got a chef, they've got a dedicated staff to handle that. So the boys just go and eat somewhere and then come back it's all happening in your house. Yeah. And, and well, the school has hired uh, one, one of the, um, a student's parent actually comes to, uh, to our house a couple days a week and cooks, cooks meals. And she's actually been wonderful. She, and she's even gone beyond uh, what she's asked to do and like help clean the rooms a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. She's been fantastic and she cooks some really really good food as well that's great we had, uh we had ribs yesterday it was a good time Ooh, nice yeah so last thing like let's talk about the school itself so this is you know you've been in public school your whole career so to speak so talk about the change to a private school 
Right. So yeah, I'm I'm now at Boston Trinity Academy, which was established about 20 years ago. Okay. And the building itself was an old nunnery. So there there are some aspects that like you wouldn't expect to see at at a school. Like there are there, there's a fully like stock kitchen, but there's also like what we made the teachers' lounge. There's also a kitchen in there. There are like just like some of the bathrooms, like they have showers in them as well. And, okay. and it feels like a home bathroom, not necessarily like a commercial bathroom. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a chapel and there's an auditorium, which is very nice. Um, and there's also uh, some living facilities as well. So our dean of students actually lives on campus and he has taken like the area where the nuns actually lived. He is. Okay. And like he, he gets to live there. Okay. So, so yeah, the building itself is, is, um, fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and if you look at it, it, it almost looks like the Starship Enterprise or something. It almost looks <laughs> like you could go airborne and fly into space. Um, how's your classroom? It, it, does it have what you need? Yes. Yes. I have a projector. I have, I have whiteboards, like everything that I need. It, it was an old boardroom, so like there aren't desks, okay. so there are just chairs and tables. Okay. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, it. it I, I enjoy my classroom, and so that's fascinating. Is like I, I heard what my class sizes were going to be, and I'm like, this is going to be amazing because it was so much smaller than the classes that I had in public school. But when you when you were teaching like in a smaller class classroom as well yeah it doesn't feel like as small as as i was hoping but it, it is still definitely an advantage to have that smaller classroom or a smaller class size you'll feel it class. you'll feel it when you're grading oh absolutely you have yeah that's the best <laughs> uh, yeah um we're, we're certainly expected to give a lot more homework but with the smaller class sizes it doesn't feel like i'm drowning in yeah grading papers which is fantastic and we talked about me teaching something different with my four Arabic classes are you teaching something different than you did last year yeah so algebra one honors i i had taught that class before so that one feels pretty familiar but i'm also teaching algebra two and algebra two honors and, oh okay um i enjoy the content a lot like it's it's something that i hadn't really gotten into since i was in high school but yeah. I, I really enjoy like going through the workbook that that we give out to the students and just doing those problems and yeah remembering how to do them there's occasionally times where i have to like go to some of the other teachers and i can get to i can get the answer but i'm like yeah. there has to be an easier way that i can teach this to the students yeah and then they'll give me some advice in those aspects like i actually did that just uh yesterday or two days ago where i, I went to another teacher and i'm like all right, this is the way that I was planning on doing it. And then she showed me a much, much simpler way. And I'm like, okay, good. That's going to yeah. save me and the students like a lot of pain and <laughs> just like frustration because they're going to be like, there's no way that I can do this on my yeah. own. I'm like, okay, good. This is a much, much better way. Right. I look forward to that. Yeah. That's a great collaboration. And that's, that's really good of you to be conscious of that because I think that's an easy thing for teachers to fall into is 
either you're, you kind of don't show your work quote unquote, and you, you kind of go off your instincts of like, okay, I know my mind can solve this problem. So I'm going to do it. And then you haven't shown your students how to get there. Or in your case, you, you know how to do it one way, but it's actually much more complicated than what they need to, to see to be able to get there. Like keep the steps simple, keep it digestible and keep a very clear step-by-step um, -step process so that they can follow along. Cause if, you know, if you skip a step, you know, the, the trade's gonna go off the tracks. So it's good that you got um, a good way to explain it all. Yeah, and, and I, I really, really enjoy the, the teachers I'm working with. Um, the school is incredibly diverse. Okay. And that's been great because right now, like the World Cup has been going on. Yeah. And we have like, we have students that are Korean and we have teachers that are Brazilian and English and Spanish and yeah, like they are invested and, and yeah, like the, the school I was at before, like no, no offense <laughs> to them, but like, it would have been like the soccer players yeah, who would have been invested in that. And like, that's it. Whereas like, the entire school is invested. Yeah. And this is like the like the one opportunity for the World Cup to be like during yes. school days. Yes. And it there's just a camaraderie that goes with that that like I can talk about this with students in the hallway and it's it's really, really cool. So it sounds like you're beating around the bush. And what you mean to say is Boston Trinity Academy hasn't had any legitimate classes or teaching instruction going on for the past two and a half oh weeks <laughs> oh my gosh no that, that is not the case we've still been very hard at work okay, but uh good. another another aspect to that is um the the humanities teacher a couple weeks ago um boston trinity academy does have this really like they really want to emphasize diversity uh not only in thought or sorry not only in like culture but but also in thought and um the humanities teacher came up to me a couple months ago and said, we're, we're doing a, a Middle East unit right now. Yeah. And, and one of the, one of the teachers we have is, um, has a, has a Jewish background. And I know that you're Palestinian. They actually had us come in to their classes and one week, uh, the other teacher presented kind of a an, an is Israeli perspective on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and I mm -hmm. presented my perspective on the Palestinian uh on the Palestinian side and and I hadn't really like I'm always keeping up on it and we have relatives that speak on this matter all the time but I haven't presented on something like that since my senior project in high school <laughs> yeah um so I actually had mom find the file that I had for my senior project <laughs> and have her send it to me yeah uh but it was also really nice to be able to call up relatives and ask them, hey, can you send me some of the slides that you use on your presentations? I used a lot mm -hmm. more of their slides and not so much <laughs> of mine from, from high school. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, no, just like with that math question, like know when you need help, know, know when to talk to the experts or people who have, who have done it before or done it more recently than you have. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's it's a it's a wonderful school to be at. I'm I'm very happy to be here. And the the reason why I asked you if you if you felt like a first year teacher is like I I do kind of feel like a first year teacher mm -hmm. this year. Um, okay. But but something that's cool is that there there were actually a lot of first year uh, first year hires at 
at BTA. Um, however, I think only one of them was like new to the workforce. Everybody else okay. had taught in other places and, and had some yeah. experience. And yeah. we've, I, I, like, we've really hit it off and we've kind of been relying on each other as well for like, we can, we can fall back on our experience as teachers, but we also can rely on each other for like adjusting to this, uh, this culture at this school because it is it is a lot different than than the schools that we were at and kind of the mission of what this school is going for yeah um but yeah i i do also have to write comments for all my students before yeah. uh before break so that's another yeah. aspect that i didn't have to deal with in, in the year before yep I, I have begun that process now as we are in the uh exam time so i try to maybe we'll talk about that sometime uh a little bit of multitasking where as I'm giving the exam, I'm writing comments about the students taking the exams. So just to kind of get a head start on that, but thank you, Joe, for the updates about your changes. And I'm sure as the season goes on, we'll get more updates about, you know, new things you're encountering in the private school world, things that you wouldn't have encountered when you were teaching in, in the public school in Indiana. Um, but we're going to move on. We're going to keep our segments from last year. So funny teaching story. I've got a couple mini ones to, to give. Um, these are from last year, actually, and maybe remnants of when I was an English teacher. Uh, my you know future funny stories will all probably relate to Arabic class, but I'll give you a couple leftovers from last year. Um, so this is a, a typo one that was in a, an email for me. Someone said, uh, you know, Mr. Brenneman, uh, I, I had a, a late evening or something like he was off campus with his um sport or something and got back late and uh you know my i know your paper's due tomorrow can i have an extinction on that oh e-x-t-i-n-c-t-i-o-n <laughs> yeah <laughs> so extinction extension then this one i heard from from uh secondhand but someone uh who's i think the lacrosse coach and a player asked him to to help out with this team and Wanted to know if he could be their manger. Ooh. And I, you know, tis the season. So, I mean, maybe there was a little Absolutely. pun going on there. <laughs> uh, but apparently he used manger three times in the email. He never switched it to manager, uh, <laughs> but said manger every time. So, oh man, the typos. Um, and then our, our last segment is the we're gonna we're gonna change this one some instead of the numbers game. We're going to do a question of the day. So we'll get a random trivia question um, and we'll alternate who has to answer it. If the answerer is correct, the other person takes the punishment. If the answerer is wrong, they take the punishment. And for now, at least we're going to streamline our punishment to always have it be the LaCroix, to have to drink the LaCroix. But that is a, a flexible thing. And for our viewers at home, our, our listeners, I should say, if you have punishment ideas for us, we are happy to, to throw those into the mix as well. But for now, we're just going to stay consistent and streamlined with the LaCroix. So we decided Joe would be the answerer today. So, Joe, here is your question from question of the day. According to Transparency International's 2021 rankings, the least corrupt countries in the world tied for first are Denmark, Finland, and what other country? And since I had no idea what this one was, I'm going to give you a little hint. It's in the Southern Hemisphere. Oh, 
How much do you keep oh, up with, with corrupt countries and, and uncorrupt uh, countries, Joe? Well, that's the thing. You, you only hear in the news about corrupt countries. <laughs> you don't hear about uncorrupt countries. Right. And the Southern Hemisphere. Five, four, three, two, one. Liberia. No, I don't even know if that's you, in the Southern Hemisphere. You, you needed to go walking with the hobbits for this one. New Zealand. New Zealand actually was New the Zealand. other one. So for those looking to uh, find some some uh, stories of non-corruption uh, in, in various countries, that's <laughs> that's where you can look. So uh, enjoy your LaCroix, Joe. First of the yeah. season, so well, to speak. Are, are we going to get like varying difficulties where like you're just going to get like a meatball down the center of the plate that you can knock out of the park and I'm going to get give the most uncorrupt countries nobody hears about uncorrupt countries are you you hear about corrupt countries are you implying there's corruption in the brothers who teach trivia (laughs) yes well i will have you know i i have subscribed the brothers who teach email to the question of the day so that is coming to us un or that is coming to us objectively i have i do not mind question of the day for the right question to ask you so next week, you'll go to our email account, you'll pull up the question, and you'll ask me the question. And if it happens to be a meatball Who's right down the middle website? of the site. Who's behind this website? <laughs> Are they based in Nashville, North Carolina? <laughs> Look at you. Who do you know? Wow. I told you I had no idea what the answer was. Well, yeah. So how can I come up with the you question? Know, you came up with an answer that couldn't be answered. <laughs> but I... Never mind deal with it all right enjoy your LaCroix and you can figure it out uh for next week all right thanks everybody (laughs) for listening yeah welcome back yeah until next time learn them good learn them good see everybody